be seated. Uh, I today have the, the privilege of getting to join you in listening, and I'm excited about that opportunity. I'm excited to be able to, uh, to have uh, two different families that I've known for a long time. Uh, the first family we're going to have come up here in uh, just a minute is, um, is Bill and Nancy McComb. They are our missionaries that serve in Senegal, Africa. Uh, we support them through our, our missions giving, and uh, I'm excited to have them. I've known Bill and Nancy since I was in high school. Uh, they were actually high school youth sponsors of mine when I was uh, in high school over in, in Phoenix, and we've known them, be able to grow a relationship with them, and they have a great testimony and a great story. And then after that, we're going to have uh, the Wagners come up, uh, Steve and Jackie are going to come up, and they're going to share their story. Many of you guys remember a couple of years ago, we prayed for uh, a girl by the name of Katie as she uh, she battled cancer, and uh, we get to hear the story of, of the family that got to, to walk through that. Um, but even before we get to that, there's a couple of things I'd like to point out. Number one, you've got a, a paper there that's on your uh, on your on your chair. Uh, many of you probably just sat on it. Uh, it blends in really well with the chair and it's hard to, hard to see. Uh, so you probably sat on it. So just kind of stand up real quick, take it out, stick that in your Bible for me um, because it'll get lost in there for the next two years. But if it doesn't, it'll at least let you know what we have kind of going on over the next couple of weeks. A couple of things I want to let you know about. First of all is next Sunday, uh, we have a volunteer appreciation meeting as well as a volunteer kind of kickoff meeting for the fall. So if you're interested in volunteering or you already are a volunteer, we'd love to have you be here. We're going to do lunch and just kind of have a, a kind of a, a rally time to get together and get ready for a couple of weeks from now when, uh, when fall kicks off. As crazy as that is, I was just talking to somebody. I said, you know, next week's the last weekend of July. Then we're in August, and school starts August 12th for some, 17th for others. And I'm like, whoa, we're there already. Even more importantly, football starts. So, um, you know, send the kids off to school, that's fine, but let me watch football, and, and I'll be all good. What's that? He is, and, I, man, I watched his, uh, his acceptance speech last night, and that, this is totally besides the point. But they sold 67,000 tickets to watch him give a speech and then show the jumbotron of him being uh, accepted into the ring of honor. I'm like, man, people hated him like five years ago, and now they're all out to support him. I'm like, I guess you can make amends. That's a good thing. So, um, but watching that, that like I said, totally beside the point. Something did happen this week uh, that kind of put me in perspective. Uh, I got to go out to uh, to Las Vegas again for this church plant conference. Um, that I've been going to. They have uh, two days in June, two days in July, two days in August. Three best months to visit Las Vegas from what I found out. Um, but uh, And then they come here in October. I'm like, yeah, great. Why don't you guys all just come and chill out on the best month of the year? But uh, yeah, I have to go out and see you guys in your worst month. So, um, But I got to go out there and I got to take the family with me. Uh, this time we drove, which is a, a long drive with four kids. And uh, so we broke it up and stopped in Flagstaff on the way. And uh, just north of Flagstaff, you may or may not know is a, a big hole in the ground and uh it's called the grand canyon and i gosh we went 15 16 years ago i think it was the last time i got to go to the grand canyon christian and i went on our first anniversary so yeah 16 years ago and um it was amazing doesn't matter how many times i've seen it i grew up in arizona we went often to the grand canyon got to see it got to got to do it and it, you know there's a there's a scene in a movie i won't reference the movie but chevy chase goes hmm all right, and get back in the car. But, I, you know, just standing there and staring at, uh, at this, this amazing wonder was, was pretty much mind-blowing. And at the same time, it put me in my, my place to think, how big am I as I stare at this giant, amazing work of God that, that's a mile deep and acres and acres and acres of, of just majesty? 
And, and you're looking at it and you're sitting there going, man, what? Who am I that God would love me? Who am I that God would take time to create that and then also take time to create me? And I think about how small I am and it kind of put me in perspective. And at the same time, you, know, you almost think, am I really even worthy of that? Am I really even worthy of God's love? Am I worthy of those things? And then at, at the conference, um, one of the first things they do, they have this thing called the house of prayer. And everybody gathers around, they pray, and there's a bunch of different people that are all kind of there, and they pray over specific people, and, and uh, they worship, and they sing, and they have a little message. And in the message and at the end of the message, uh, the guy kind of rallied everybody together. Put your hands in the middle and do this. And he asked a question. He said, how big is God? How big is God? And the answer is, big enough big enough. And I thought that with, with the Grand Canyon and, and thinking about how big God is. And, but what about my problems? What about little old me? And, and, and he's big enough. And the amazing thing about our lives is, is that doesn't God show himself to be big enough throughout all different situations, through the good times and in the bad times? He's big enough. Today, we get to hear two stories. Two stories from two totally different perspectives, two totally different continents but you get to see how big God really is. Because when we ask, how big is God? The answer is, big enough. So I want to, first of all, I want to invite uh, Bill and Nancy McComb to come up and, and share, or uh, just Bill, and, uh, and tell us just a little bit about what's going on in, uh, in Africa and the things that we have an opportunity to support, as well as maybe just tell some story about how God is big enough. How's everyone doing? Oh, you didn't hear me the first time. Should I try again? Good morning. Ah, there, there you are. I appreciate uh, the fact that we had some worship ahead of time because that gave you the chance to, to wake up a little bit. And then when I say stuff like good morning, you can actually respond. So thank you for that. You know, I don't know what, uh, what vision or image pops into your head when, when you hear the term missionary. Typically, what you get is some white guy or whatever standing there in a traditional African dress. Well, um, I'm a teacher. I'm a PE teacher. And so first thing this morning, I showed up in my shorts and tennis shoes and T-shirt. And Matt was like, no, mm-mm. you need to go change. So I might be making that up. I probably didn't. You know, I showed up like five minutes before the service started. But, uh, you know, it makes for a good story anyways. Thank you for having us here. Uh, we enjoy coming back to the States. It's not an easy transition, but we do enjoy coming back to the States. It's a change of pace. It gives us a time to reconnect with our family, with our friends and our churches. And it's always a privilege to talk about what God is doing in West Africa. Um, as Matt said, we are Bill and Nancy McComb. We have a picture up here of um, my family. We've got four boys, obviously. And uh, our oldest, Josiah, is 20 years old. Well, almost 20. He uh, is done with one year of university at uh, Indiana Wesleyan University in Marion, Indiana. And our second son, Ian, just graduated uh, from Dakar Academy in Senegal, and he will be going to Indiana Wesleyan, and, my, and they will be rooming together. So that ought to be interesting. And then uh, Brady and Brian are actually here with us this morning. If you guys would go ahead and stand up. Nancy, you stand up too, so everyone can kind of see you. All right, so this is the other part of the family. And uh, Brady and Brian uh, just finished their freshman year at Dakar Academy, and obviously are sophomores now, and we're still trying to figure out exactly what we're going to do for schooling this year for them. Um, we've been overseas since 1996, and uh, if you do your math, that's a long time. I can't, I can't count back that far, so. Um, 
Yeah, that's why I teach PE. You have heard the joke, right? If you can't teach, or if you can't play, teach. If you can't teach, teach PE. That's this guy. We started off in Cote d'Ivoire, which is, uh, if you think about the, the continent of Africa, maybe we can get that slide up. Cote d'Ivoire is on the southern coast of the Bulge. Well, okay, so you can see the blue country, and if you go down around the, the, co- the, the Bulge, you've got a, the first dark country. That's Cote d'Ivoire, and that's where we started. Um, but unfortunately, as God would have it, uh, war broke out, and so we were evacuated. Uh, we actually tried to go back to, to restart the school in 2004, and we were evacuated a second time. I think the Lord was telling us something, but we still haven't figured out what that is. So we're in, uh, we're in Senegal, West Africa now, which is the blue country. Uh, it's the westernmost country on the continent of Africa. And we can actually go stand on the westernmost point and, uh, you know, wave to you guys over here. So it's kind of cool. We, uh, we work at Dakar Academy, which is in the capital city of Dakar. So we can uh, go to the next slide there. And uh, that's what Dakar looks like. It's on a peninsula, so we're surrounded by water on three sides. It stays decently cool. The best way to describe it is kind of like Phoenix as far as climate is concerned. Although, uh, starting in June through October, the humidity is absolutely unbelievable and unbearable. And uh, I'll wear two or three shirts per day just because you sweat right through them. Um, Anyways, Dakar is uh, at the entry of the 1040 window. Now, um, that used to be a huge catchphrase years ago. When I say 1040 window, do you guys understand what that means? All right, I've seen a lot of shaking heads know. The 1040 window is between the, the 10th latitude north and the 40th latitude north, and it goes across the world. If you make a band all the way around the world, that's called the 1040 window. And the 1040 window is comprised of the most unreached people groups throughout the world. Okay, so you've got the Middle East, you've got uh, Northern Africa, um, Eastern Africa, okay, and into uh, even parts of China and um, Asia. And these are the most unreached people groups. And if you look right at the edge of that window, Senegal is right there. So we are like an entry point into the 1040 window, and we see that as very significant based on the ministries that we're doing, that other missionaries are doing in, in Senegal, and the fact that we can spread out from Senegal into this 1040 window. Um, so we have a unique opportunity. Senegal is a 96% Muslim country, and yet we have freedom of religion. So it's no problem that we're there. Dakar Academy is an unapologetically Christian school. So we have Bible classes. We have chapel every week. We also do youth group um, for those that choose to attend. Um, and God's Spirit is moving uh, throughout Senegal. And even though it's not yet um, a sending nation, we're praying that it soon will be. And we're seeing the hand of the, the Holy Spirit just move through Senegal in little pockets here and there. And uh, pretty soon we're looking forward to the outpouring of his spirit on Senegal. Um, we started as dorm parents. So for those of you that don't necessarily understand what that means, um, there are missionaries that work and live throughout West Africa. And um, the Internet isn't always good, so homeschooling doesn't, isn't always an option. Uh, local schools aren't always available. And so the parents send their kids to, um, when we were in Cote d'Ivoire, it was International Christian Academy, or now in Senegal at Dakar Academy, We are a boarding and day school, um, but you guys, you want the best education possible for your kids, right? You want them to have the best opportunity. Well, sometimes out in these remote villages, they don't have a great education option. And so they'll send their kids to uh, a boarding school like Dakar Academy, where it's an American education. They can have friends. They can um, play sports and all that kind of stuff. 
and then be ready for university when they go to the States after they graduate. So we started as dorm parents, taking care of these kids. Uh, when we started, we actually had 26 high school girls. And uh, I was 26 years old. We had a 13-month-old boy, and uh, we knew nothing about girls. But God, in his goodness, said, you go, and I'll do the work through you. And we had a great few years uh, doing that. But um, in the last, what, I guess about eight years ago, we saw the need because our own four boys um, were growing up, and it was harder to say, all right, it's time for you to go to bed so we can spend time with these other kids. We just saw a need for, they needed their parents. And uh, so God refocused us. At that time, a position in PE opened up, elementary PE. And I'm not a teacher. Uh, No, I wasn't a teacher. I am now. (laughs) But uh, I love sports and I love kids. So, you know, PE, it kind of made a a, a lot of sense. And it was a great fit. Um, And I love doing that and seeing kids not be able to do something, teaching them how to do it, and then being able to do it afterwards. It's very, very rewarding. And then about five years ago, too, we added on a shop class, a wood shop class. So, because my other trade is a carpenter. And so I get to play with tools and teach kids how to play with tools. And so it's just a great, great fit. Um, so that's, that's what I've been doing the last few years. Um, so I teach elementary PE, ninth and 10th grade PE, two wood shop classes. Nancy teaches ninth grade health. And from a 360-degree perspective, um, we're also involved in mentoring students. We're youth group sponsors. We are dorm advocates. Um, we are also on the worship team, and I coach. I assistant coach in various sports um, activities, volleyball and soccer specifically. Um, as I mentioned, DA is a uh, K-12 through boarding and day school. It was actually started um, by three different missions, by missionaries, for missionaries' kids. And then we allow other people to come in as space permits. So this last year, we actually had 38 countries represented at Dakar Academy. That's a lot. And we have a unique opportunity there because these other students that come don't necessarily come from Christian homes or Christian backgrounds or Christian countries. Um, In fact, a few years ago, we actually had the Saudi Arabian ambassador's kids at our school, and they're going to chapel, and they're going to Bible classes. We've also had the Pakistani ambassadors, the Indian ambassador's kids at our school. And it's really cool because every single year we have kids come to Christ and then they move on. They go back to their country and they become a missionary in their own country and they're a lot better at it than us. So um, we love DA because of its multi-dimensional ministry focus. Um, By teaching and boarding, we allow the missionaries who are called to the ends of the earth to do what they are called to do. Okay, if they don't have a good schooling option, we are that schooling option for them. Um, because we have other countries represented, that gives our students the opportunity to live out their own faith by sharing with fellow students um, who do not yet, not yet know the Lord. We are also located in a middle-class suburban neighborhood with many nationalities and many socioeconomic statuses, and we have daily interactions with the guards, with the maids on the street as we go to and from school. So that's a neat opportunity as well. Our students also have a passion to reach Senegal, and they sign up with zeal for our different um, outreach opportunities throughout the year. We have two large outreaches where we'll take 150 students out to different villages, um, and pastors have gone ahead of us to just try to set stuff up. Um, we do drama. We do kids' clubs. We do make bricks. In fact, uh, what, two years ago, I think, in two days, we made 1,600 bricks by hand. So you're talking about mixing cement. So you get a pile of sand and a, bag, a few bags of cement, and you start mixing them together, and you start adding water. And depending on who you're working with, the mix is very special. And if you mess up, they'll let you know. But 
in, in two days, 1,600 bricks. That's moving, okay? And uh, sometimes we'll dig, well, a lot of times we'll dig a foundation. We do a lot of painting, um, and we've been invited to stay at schools where we'll paint a few classrooms. We'll paint murals on the walls in these classrooms as kind of like a community um, outreach. Um, we also make benches for the church. We've done medical ministry. We've done roofs, put roofs on the churches. Uh, and then we do an evening campaign. Uh, each evening that we're there, we do an evening campaign where we'll see upwards of 500 people come out where we're singing in multiple languages. There's drama presentations. There's always um, a message by a local pastor. And then we do a film. And so if you can imagine getting up at 7 o'clock in the morning, eating breakfast, working all day, whatever it might be, whatever your particular um, thing might be, and then going out in the evening and being part of a, an evening campaign and then a film, and you're getting back at like two, uh, midnight to 2 a.m., and then you, the next day you start and do it all again, okay? So it's pretty, um, it's pretty exhausting, but it's very rewarding, too, when you see in the evening campaigns when the pastor um, gives his invitation, just hands shoot up all over the audience of people wanting to accept Christ. In fact, the, one of the most memorable times um, last year, we were at an evening campaign, and a guy was standing off to the side because he didn't really want to be noticed, the pastor was giving an invitation and asking for raised hands, and this guy raised his hand. And his buddy standing next to him grabbed his hand and put it down. And he pushed him away, raised his hand again. But he grabs his hand, puts it down. He pushes him away, he raises his hand again. But he comes again, pushes down. This time he like made a move towards him. He was going to knock him out. <laughs> Here I want Christ. Get out of my way. You know. So he. Uh, but it was really really cool, you know, to see his desire to know Christ as his savior. Um, so that's, uh, that's our evening campaigns. And over the last five years, um, we've had well over 10,000 people that have been exposed to the gospel message through our outreach weekends. Um, and we've been to, even opened villages where pastors couldn't get into when we say, okay, we've got a group from Dakar Academy. We want to work with your kids and do these presentations, drama, and stuff like that. Oh, come on. And it opens the, the door for the pastor to get into the villages. So it's a really great opportunity for them as well. We also do outreach through our um, sports teams. I'm part of the soccer team, and uh, we do, we'll go to different villages, and we'll play different teams, um, and then afterwards, we'll present, we'll, we'll have them to dinner. Food always talks to everybody, even, uh, you know, overseas, so that's good. So we'll have them to dinner, and then we'll do a little presentation where we do the, the wordless ball. Are you guys familiar with the wordless book, where it's different colors, represent different things? Okay, somebody was smart, and realizing that soccer is international, and they turned a, a soccer ball into the wordless ball. And so we do a wordless ball presentation, just to explain the gospel through that, and then we do some skits. One of the skits that we do is a juggling skit. And I don't know if you're familiar, but Africans are extremely good soccer players. Um, almost anywhere we've been, we have some great soccer players. Well, we've got great soccer players too, and we do this juggling skit. And the idea is we'll take two players from their team, two players from our team, and we'll have a little juggling competition. And whoever, whoever loses the juggling competition has to do 50 push-ups. Inevitably, the teams that we play lose because we've got some pretty good jugglers on our team. This last year, a guy juggled 169 times in one minute. Okay? And these guys are juggling 60, 70, you know, up to 80 times maybe. Anyways, two years ago then, um, my oldest son was chosen to be um, part of this skit well, he didn't lose the skit, but um, if you, when you have to do the, push, the 50 push-ups, so the guy lost, he came up to do his 50 push-ups, and my son Josiah 
jumped up out of the crowd then, tapped him on the shoulder and said, no, let me do your 50 push-ups for you. So the guy got up, stood off to the side. Sorry, I'm gonna, I get a little emotional with this because it's really cool. My son did his 50 push-ups, which you can't really tell in the picture, but you know he can pump them out pretty good. Did his 50 push-ups, and you could see the guy standing off to the side understanding exactly what was going on. This guy, I'm the one that lost. I'm the one that should be doing the push-ups. This guy willingly got up and did my push-ups for me. And the correlation of realizing that that's what Christ has done for them as well becomes very, very evident in that moment. So it's a, it's a great opportunity for our soccer teams. We also do um, a volleyball outreach. We have some great teams that we're involved with. And um, we've collected clothes and volleyballs and stuff, and so we're still building relationships with some of the teams. And it's very evident, the love of Christ, as you pour out, as you give to these teams, um, the, the resources that you have, um, just they see the difference, and they want to know what the difference is. So that's a great opportunity for our sports teams as well. Sorry, i got to change my paper here. It's stuck. So as great as all this sounds, um, on a personal level, I mean, I'm, I'm not taken away from what the Lord is doing, but it's not always easy. It hasn't been an easy process for us to go, like I said, two evacuations, having to move uh, a lot of times year by year. Um, and God has been asking us to walk by faith. He's asking you as well to walk by faith. You have been given struggles. You have been given difficulties, circumstances that aren't easy to walk through. And God is asking us all to trust and to walk by faith. Moving back to Cote d'Ivoire in 2004, Cote d'Ivoire was a war-torn country. We had already been evacuated. Why in the world would we ever move back to a war-torn country with four kids? Because God was asking us to. He made it very clear. And in the time, the second evacuation, then there were obviously a lot of questions. Why would you tell us to go back only to have bombs dropping around where you can feel the ground shake. Why would you do that? That's the first question, isn't it? Why, God? And yet, in those times, after the second evacuation, we saw three, at least, if not more, benefits of having been evacuated a second time. Well, if we hadn't obeyed God, if we hadn't gone back, we wouldn't have seen those benefits because we wouldn't have been where God had us to be. When we were getting out of dorm parenting, we loved dorm parenting. It's what we thought God we were going to die doing. And yet God was asking us to take a step. And what did he do? He provided a teaching position. And it's something that we love doing. It still gives us an opportunity to rub shoulders. But if we hadn't been willing to step out of dorm parenting, we wouldn't be where God wants us to be. You guys have been t- going through a movie series, I see. And uh, most recently has been Inside Out, I believe, correct? And uh, admittedly, I haven't seen the movie. I had to get all my information about the movie from Matt. And he hasn't even watched the movie, so I don't even... Um, So it's about different emotions, right? And how you deal with different emotions. Obviously, when you're in a situation that you don't necessarily know what to do about, there might be some anxiety, correct? People are like, huh? There's anxiety, but what does Philippians 4, 6 say? Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. There might be fear involved in taking a step in moving your family back to a war-torn country. 
But 1 John 4.18 says, perfect love casts out fear. And it's easy to say, and it's harder to do. So this last year has really been for us specifically about waiting and trusting. Um, And it hasn't been easy. Um, Last November, we actually got an eviction notice from our house. Now, the Lord provided the house that we are in. He made it very, very clear that we were supposed to be in the house that we're in. And um, we feel like he has made some specific promises about the house. And all of a sudden, we get this eviction notice. What? That doesn't make sense. But it's the guy's house. It's his house. He can come live in it if he wants. So, okay, I guess we'll move. And God was saying, no, no, you're not moving. What are you talking about? We're not moving. We have a letter from the owner saying we're moving. He's kicking us out. And God said, no, no, you're not. But, but who are you going to believe, God or man? So May 11th, less than a month before we're coming back to the States, we got a letter from our owner agency, and they said, the owner has decided to let you live in the house for three more years. Hmm. All right, less than a month. Is that how it's going to be, God? You know, last minute? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we get to keep our house. Uh, we didn't have a car, and I had been on Craigslist looking at cars, looking at cars, looking at cars. A few years ago, I made a mistake buying a car. Um, a buddy of mine, I, I wanted the car. I purchased it. It was a Honda Odyssey. They're great cars. Um, but a buddy of mine asks, well, did you pray about it? What? <laughs> Who needs to pray about a Honda? It's a Honda. <laughs> so as soon as I got in my Honda, I knew it needed suspension, and uh, we ended up putting a lot of money, losing a lot of money in this car. And so the Lord said, maybe you should have prayed about it. Yeah, I will. So this, next, this time coming home, we looked and looked and looked and uh, had lots of different opportunities. One car came and, and went, another car came and went, another car came and went. I'm like, okay, God, you're going to provide the vehicle for us. So when we got back to the States, I found one, called the guy. Yep, it's still here. Other people had called on another car of a similar, at the same location. No one had called on mine. So the God provided a, a vehicle last minute. And uh, we still don't have a place to live. Well, we do now, but we didn't have a place to live. We're living with friends. They have five kids. We, had, we have four. Uh, that's a lot of people in one house. And uh, even though we love them dearly and they want us to live with them for the year, they've offered us to live with them for the year, we're like, it's clear that we're messing up their family dynamic. We need our family as well. Um, but we didn't have anything. So just last Sunday, Nancy was sitting in our worship service, and the Lord um, just gave her a little download and said, you know what, you guys really need a house, because we've been looking at apartments. Okay, we need a house. Good. We hung around after church because we knew a lot of people there, so we're talking, talking, talking. We're like the last people out of the church. We walk out to go to the car, and somebody else, another friend, comes running out of the building she was in. Hey, do you guys have a place to live yet? No. Oh, well, we, you know, we've moved, and, and we're getting ready to sell our house, and we'd really love to have you live in our house for the year, and you can have it for this amount of money, and we'll do utilities and all this stuff. All right. You want to waste, make us wait till the last minute, God? Yeah. And so we're still in the process of schooling for our, our, our two boys here, too. We'd love to get them into local Christian school. Um, God hasn't provided that avenue just yet, and so we're waiting. And uh, it's the same thing with you guys. You have things that you're dealing with. You have things that concerns that, uh, that you're having to deal with. And yet God is faithful. 
God is big enough. We just have to be willing to wait. So I'd like to thank you for your part. Thanks for having us up here. Um, thank you for your prayers. They, uh, they get us through day by day. And you, uh, you as, as a body, are an important piece to God's bigger puzzle of what he's doing throughout the world and specifically in Senegal. Please do pray for us. Um, we've been home since June 10th. We've put over 3,000 miles on our vehicle already. And uh, we're just starting an eight-week trip where we'll be going back to Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Virginia, Minnesota, South Dakota. And uh, so we're looking at a few more miles coming up here. So uh, thanks for your time, and thanks for allowing us to be here.